So years ago, I was asked to speak back at the school that I graduated from, good old Smithtown Christian School. And so I'm walking through the hallway, and it's just before chapel's about to start. And this girl that I knew, I knew her family, she came up to me. She said, oh, are you speaking today? And when you hear that, you always hope the person's going to say, oh, wow, you know, I heard you in the past, and God really used it. And man, I'm so thankful that I got to grow my relationship with God last time you were here, this or that. But uh, instead, I said, yeah, I am speaking here today. And she said, oh, yeah, last year, I just remember you just said the same thing over and over again. I was like, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for your perception. That's uh, wonderful feedback on that. Thank you so much. So a year later, I come back to speak at Smithtown again. So I get through the chapel, and the same girl makes a beeline for me. And I'm like, oh, here we go. All right. Now, I'm praying that she's going to say, you know what, I've been so convicted over the last year of what I said to you last year. I haven't slept all year, and it's been a really terrible year for me. But instead, she says, um, Doug, I, I couldn't help but notice throughout the entire message. And I'm, you know, oh, what's she going to say? That like, Man, God was just speaking so powerfully. And she goes, you had some toilet paper attached to your pants? And I look down, and I'm like, actually, that's a dryer sheet, but thank you anyway. <laughs> you know, appreciate the insight again. This is a lady who, I mean, she just, it's her call in life, I guess, to set the record straight. She can tell you like it is, right? Tell you what the truth is. And this phrase, that's what we do, right? When we want to set the record straight, we use this phrase. The truth is, and then we kind of unleash. Well, I'm convinced that Paul, as he wrote the book of Ephesians, had this phrase in mind because he sets the record straight about God and about Jesus and about living for Jesus as we look through the book of Ephesians. So, so far, just to catch up or remind you, in week one, we saw that God has worked out an incredible plan of salvation, right? Just this amazing thing. We take it for granted all the time, but God has done something truly amazing. Then the next week, we looked at this idea last week that knowing God better is so important. Paul's trying to get us excited about knowing God better, and he says if we focus on the hope of God, the inheritance of God, and the power of God, those three things are going to help us know him better. But today, I have a whole new way we're going to kind of look. We're jumping into chapter 2 of Ephesians this week, and uh, man, we're going to really focus in on a certain line of thinking that Paul was working through, and it's really powerful. So you guys could check out the screens. Here's what we're going to see today. We're going to see who we were before God saved us, what we deserve because of who we were, and what God's given us instead of what we deserved, okay? So that's what we're going to look at today. So let's start here. Let's start with who we were, right? As we think about, many of us in the room, we, we think about who we were before God saved us, so who, who, before he changed our lives. I think, you know, we have some different takes on what that might look like. Some of us, I think, think that we were better off than we actually were, Right? Um, I'll give you an example here, okay? You guys will recognize this picture, right? Some of us think we were kind of like Elf, you know? Like, isn't Elf just awesome? He's so fun, and he's so kind of good. You know, there's just like a goodness to him. And sure, he's got his flaws, and sure, he does some things that are wrong sometimes. But overall, he's just sort of a childlike, pure, innocent guy. And I think a lot of us, we look back and we're like, yeah, I think that's kind of what I was like before God saved me. I was pretty good. You know, I was all right. Yeah, I had a few flaws. So we kind of think we were good people who had some flaws, but the good kind of outweighed the bad, you know? Then others of us might think that we're more like this next person, my good friend here, Gollum, right? (laughs) He looked at Gollum, and I love that look on his face because he's kind of unsure. And I think some of us are a little bit unsure about what we were like before Jesus saved us. Now, think about the first time you watched Lord of the Rings or maybe you read the books. I want you to think about As you're introduced to Gollum, you're not quite sure what to make of this guy, right? You're just unsure what he's going to be like. Sometimes you get this Gollum, right? You know, kind of cute in a creepy way, right? But then sometimes you get this Gollum. And as you are kind of working through this book or movie, you're just unsure. Where is this headed? How is this all going to play out? My wife and I were literally sitting in the movie theater watching The Two Towers, and we are arguing about Gollum. 
Where I'm, I'm saying, I, I don't know, I kind of like him, he's funny, he's got some flaws, but who of us don't, right? right? Who of us doesn't? And then my wife's gone, I think this guy's going to be trouble. I think this isn't going to end well. And, you know, we basically settled who has the discernment about the creepy villains from Middle Earth. It's my wife, right? Because clearly Gollum turned out not to be so great. But I think some of us think we're kind of like him because, all right, maybe we weren't good with some bad qualities. Maybe, but, but at the very least, we were like bad with some good qualities, right? At least there was some good in there that God kind of found and he hunted and he dragged out of us, you know? Well, we're going to see today if we were good people with bad qualities or bad people with some good qualities or maybe even something all together different. All right, so who we were. We're going to look at that. Then we're going to look at what we deserve, okay? Now, this is really important because I think so often we misunderstand what we really deserve, all right? And I need to kind of make this visual for you. I am not going to draw because you don't want me to, but what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just need some help from you guys. So here's what I need. On easel number one, we're going to put good things, okay? Now these I first, I need you guys to yell out some good things in life, but not spiritual things, okay? Just good things. What's good in your life? Go. Coffee, Coffee. all right. And everybody said amen but me. Okay, coffee. What, what happened? I thought someone said Vegas. I was like, oh, that's, I don't think so. Okay, babies. Yeah. All right, babies. What else? Tacos. Amen. Okay, what else? Ooh, now, now we're worshiping Jesus. This is good here. Yes, okay, Chick-fil-A. What else? Nature? Yep, okay. Okay, now here's the thing. Somebody said Dr. Pepper, right? Okay, that's the nectar of heaven. Good. Okay, so, now all these things are good, and the Bible tells us all good things come from heaven, so these are from God, right? Especially Chick-fil-A, but that's why it rests on Sunday. But, but we now want to get to spiritual things. Tell me some things that God has literally done on a spiritual, spiritual sense for you and I. Just yell them out. Peace, yeah. Go ahead. Joy, yep. Somebody's got Galatians 5 open, fruit of the Spirit. What? Rest, okay. Yeah, that's nice. Family, okay, good. What else, what else? Love, yeah. Okay, I'm going to write down here. Salvation. Okay. Good, good, good. That's a bunch of good stuff. Okay, now we're going to get over here. We're going to get to the bad list, okay? Now tell me some bad things that are not spiritual. They're just bad. What are are some bad things about life? What? Allergies. Okay. Yes, it is that. It it is the season. All right, what else? Yes. What? What else? Addiction. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Pay you later. All right, who else? Taxes. Yes, all right. What else? All right, let's move to spiritual. I'm just going to throw two, you know, well, maybe even one thing up here. I'm just going to say, to to sum it all up, all it all really comes down to separation from God, right? Would be like the worst spiritual thing we could go through. So, all right, we have all our good things. We have all our bad things. There's obviously many more, but thank you guys for your help. Now, here is the thing. We're talking about who we were, which we already found out. That's going to come up. Um, were we Gollum? Were we Elf? Were we something totally different, right? But now, what do we deserve? Now, here is the thing, and this is so important. You see, most of us believe we deserve all of these things and none of these things, right? Like, and as we go through life, whenever these things start popping up, we go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's not doing his job. Doesn't he know I'm supposed to get the things on that list, right? These are the things that I'm supposed to get in life. Not those. 
so sickness and all these other things. No, 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 that, that's not a part of the deal here. God has obviously been dropping the ball. Today we're going to understand if that's true. And so who we were, what we deserve, and then we're going to find out this last thing, what God's given us instead of what we deserved. Okay? And this is incredible because we have been given something very, very different than what we actually deserve. We're going to discover that here today. Now, I think this is so important to talk about because if we understand who we were, what we deserved, and what we've been given instead of what we deserved, then some things are going to come out of our lives that are really powerful. One of them is humility. Right? When we understand, oh my goodness, now I see myself for who I really was before God saved me, before God came into my life. Oh my gosh, wow. I'm humbled by that. Another thing that's going to come out of us is just a greater love or appreciation of Jesus. Being able to look at Jesus and say, man, look at what you have accomplished for me. Look what you have done. I can't even fathom the love you have for me. And I so appreciate you. And so I want to narrow in on that. But here's a big one. I think if we will understand who we were, what we deserved, and what we've been given instead of what we deserved, it will help us drop our attitudes with God. Because if we're honest, some of us in the room, we struggle with this. We have an attitude toward God, and it's usually because this list is at play in our life in some way. Usually it's because we're saying, why, God, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Some bad things have happened. I don't deserve those bad things. And when you and I realize what we were, what we deserved, and what God's given us instead, suddenly that attitude toward God can change. Some of us are asking God a question right now, and it's the question, why? Now, why did you allow any of these things to happen in my life? Why have you allowed me to walk through such a difficult season? And it's almost like some of us are saying, God, until you tell me the answer to that why, we're not going any further in our relationship. Until you tell me why I'm in such pain, why the finances are in trouble, why my marriage is on the rocks, why I am still struggling with this thing. If you don't tell me why, then we're not going any further. When you tell me why, we'll talk about that, God. But until we get there, I'm not sure. And that's where some of us are here today. I'm telling you, when we understand what we were, what we deserved, and what we've been given instead of what we deserve, that attitude with God can drop out of our way. I think it's going to impact our worship. I think it's going to impact our ability to share our faith because when we get excited about what we're going to see here today, it makes us want to tell people. And so I'm just thrilled that we get to look at this today because I think it's going to bring out some awesome things in our lives. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. I've been praying for you all week. And I've been praying that today would be a big day for you, that God would do something really, really awesome in your life. And I believe that he's going to as we look at his word today. So we're going to continue to look at Ephesians here. And Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to his friends in Ephesus. And look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. So this is a clear picture of who we were apart from Jesus. So We're going to first talk about this. Who we were? Well, who we were was sinners, right? That's who you and I were, okay? It's worse off than we thought. We weren't just sinners. We were dead in our sins. And we looked at this a few weeks ago, and this is a pretty intense description, but this means we have no way of saving ourselves. We have no way of earning God's favor. We have no way of working ourselves out of this problem. We're completely stuck, right? We're not good people, With some bad qualities, we're not bad people. With some good qualities, we're completely dead in our sins. We're not Elf, we're not Gollum, we're way worse. We're completely dead in our trespasses and in our sin. And so this is where we start. This is what we were before God came into our lives. Then he goes on. He says, You're dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world 
and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. So not only were we not following God, we were following a few other entities. The first one is the world. That's what Paul says here. You used to follow the ways of the world. And so what does that mean? It means we were just going, going through life and whatever he or she did, we were doing what they were doing and we were just following the pattern of the world, right? The second entity that we see here in this verse is we were following the devil. That's kind of the code language here. The, he's referred to as the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. So we were following the way of the devil. Now some of you might say, wait a minute, I was not like a devil worshiper before I was a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're saying, I'm not like following the devil. I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, I'm not, it's not like I'm wearing a pentagram or performing rituals or any of these kinds of things. Well, what this simply means is, is really there's two options in life. And I think Bob Dylan said it a really long time ago, right? Probably the first time I've quoted Bob Dylan in church. But, but basically, he said, you're going to serve somebody. It's either going to be God or the devil. It's one or the other. There's only one option, right? And so when we're not submitting our lives to God and saying, God, I want to do things your way, we're just saying, okay, then I'm going to do what the devil kind of tempts me to do, and I'm just going to kind of go ahead and go along with that. So even though we might not even realize we're doing it, we're following sort of the scheme or the plan that the devil might have for our life if we're not submitting to God. Then we see one more entity that we're living for, we were living for in the next verse. It says this, All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So we were following the cravings of our flesh. What's our flesh? It's that part of us that wants to do the wrong thing. You know, you know that part of you that wants to do the wrong thing? When, especially like somebody tells you not to do something and makes you want to do it all the more. Uh, Joey Lucci, our youth pastor, he's downstairs with a bunch of our kids right now. And I was his youth pastor back in the day. And when he was like maybe like ninth, 10th grade, we were um, out in like Pennsylvania and we were tearing down these cabins and it was really cool. Then we were like burning them. We were supposed to be doing this, by the way. <laughs> like, whoa, okay, pirates. No, we were on a mission trip. We, we took all these buildings down at this camp, this Christian camp, and then we were able to just light them on fire and get rid of them. It was so cool. So Joey sees this blazing furnace and decides with his friends, I think we could jump over that, right? So I, as the responsible youth pastor, said, Joey, do not do it. And I turned around and I like, pick up a hammer or something. Next thing I know, he turned around and he tried to jump it and he ended up burning his foot. I was like, I told you. No, no. So I felt terrible for him, but hey, man. And he said, but you told me no, so I had to, Right? And there's that part of us in us that it just wants to do what's wrong. And back in the day, before you and I were followers of Jesus, we lived to fulfill that craving and just do what we felt like we should do. Now, here's the thing. You and I still have this thing called the flesh in our lives. In other words, sometimes we still want to do the wrong thing. The beauty about what we're going to talk about today is that when God saved us, he broke the power of that. And so we can still sin, but we don't have to, right? But there's still this battle. But back in the day, you and I, man, we just lived for our flesh. We just lived to gratify those cravings. Now, some of you guys might have a really good objection in mind, and it's this. Doug, I think I did right things, though, before I was a Christian. Like, you're saying all I did was follow the world, the devil, and my flesh, but I think I did right, right things. And some of you here today might say, I'm not a Christian, and I do right things, so how does that all work? Well, here's the thing. Why did you do the right thing? See, motivation counts, okay? When we do the right thing for the wrong reason, it's still wrong, right? And sometimes, you know, we might say, yeah, well, I gave money here, or I went and helped those people there. And again, I would just say, why did we do those things? Often it's for the wrong reason. I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, um, I was staying at my grandma's house one night. My parents were away. And she knew I used to love to wake up early on Saturday mornings and watch Saturday morning cartoons. And that's what it was called. It was Saturday morning cartoons because you couldn't watch cartoons all day. 
There wasn't like 50 channels, and they were on all the time. There wasn't on-demand. There wasn't Netflix. Like, if you didn't see the Saturday morning cartoons, you didn't see cartoons, right? That's all it was. There was a window. And my grandma knew I used to, like, wake up early and watch them. And so she said to me, do not get up before a certain time of day, I don't know, 7, 8 o'clock or whatever, because she wanted to sleep in a little later, and I'd wake her up when I woke up. So I wake up, and it's earlier than I'm supposed to get up, but I'm thinking, i got to go watch He-Man, you know? And so I got up, and then as I'm starting to watch He-Man, I realize, you know what? I'm not supposed to be doing this. So instead of doing what was right and going back to bed, I decided, let me do something to try to make Grandma happy. So I went to the kitchen, and I got some toast, and I got some waffles out, and I got some juice out. And I made breakfast. And I put it all out on the table. And I'm thinking when Grandma walks out, she's going to be like, oh, my wonderful grandson, look what you have done. Instead, she walked out and said, Doug, appreciate what you did, but I told you not to get up before this certain time. But Grandma, I made you breakfast. Yeah, but you did the right thing for the wrong reason, right? And that's what we often do in life. We don't even realize it. So you might say, yeah, but Doug, before I was a Christian, or maybe here I am, I'm not a Christian, I, I, I do the right thing sometimes. Yeah, but maybe it's to try to gain someone's approval, right? Maybe you do the right thing just to gain someone's approval, or maybe you just felt guilty, you know? It's like, oh, I should give money, or I should go help that person. And I'm doing it not because it's a genuine you know, love of my heart and a thing that I could do for God here, but I'm going to do it just because I feel bad not to, you know? Or maybe I'm going to try to get myself out of trouble. So there's lots of reasons we do the right thing for the wrong reason. And so... That's who we were. We followed the way of the world, we followed the flesh, and we followed the plan that the enemy might kind of lay out before us. Now, why do I bring all of this up? Because I want you to feel absolutely horrible about yourself. No, I'm kidding. That's not at all right. I just want you to see what you and I were before Jesus saved us. I want you to remember really how bad it was. Now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get good here, right? I promise. We're going to get some encouraging news here today, but it's going to get worse before it gets better, okay? So now Paul tells us who we were. We were sinners, but now check out the next part. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, so we were sinners. What do we deserve? Wrath. Okay, what's wrath? Wrath is God's judgment as punishment for our sins. So that is what you and I deserve. Now let's get back to our easels here, right? The problem is, so often in life, when we think about what we deserve, we think we only deserve these things, and we don't deserve any of these things, right? And this is what we need to hear today. We only deserve these things. We only deserve the bad things, right? So when we look at God, we go, how could you? Why are you allowing this? Why haven't you shown me yet why this is going on? We have to come back to the place and say, okay, wait, 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 wait. I've been having an attitude with God. I've had God at a distance because I thought I deserved these things, when in reality, I only deserve these things. Now, this would be the worst message ever if we ended right here, right? Come back next week, and we're going to look at verse 4. No one sleeps all week. (laughs) What's in verse 4? Okay, let's check out verse 4. We know who we are, sinners. We know what we deserve. God's wrath, verse 4. But because of his great love for us. Okay, so we take a deep breath here. Whoa, did you feel the room change? Okay, we take a deep breath here. Because of God's great love for us. This is where we begin to see what God's given us instead of what we deserve. So we've all seen the TV show or the movie, right, where somebody is standing before the judge and the judge is laying out there, well, here's what you did wrong and here's what you deserve for it. And then, then that word comes up, but. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what you deserve. But. And we, we realize, okay, he's about to be merciful. 
He's about to be merciful to this person. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. That's what we're sensing as these verses start to change and shift, right? Going from, here's who you were, here's what you deserve. But because of his love, the next part says, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So God made us alive with Christ. And it took Jesus' death and resurrection to made, make this possible. And I just want you to think about this for a second, okay? So we were dead in our sin, Our spiritual heart's dead. He's alive. He dies so that we can become alive. He dies so that our souls can be saved and brought back from the dead. Now, when did God make us alive? When we were dead, right? So this is kind of more evidence that goes back to support what we saw in week one, that we are just helpless and we need God to do this outside work on our heart of spiritually bringing our dead hearts back to life. So, this dead heart had to be brought back to life. And I want you to think about this. And if you fall asleep for the rest of the message, that's okay. Just hear the next 15 seconds. Back to the easels. You ready? Jesus deserved all of this, but experienced all of this on the bad list so we could experience all of this on the good list. Right? We deserved everything on the bad list, but have been given everything on the good list because of his grace. And that's got to do something to us when we think about our attitude toward God. And we think about all the why questions. And we say, God, you and I have no place to talk until you tell me why. No, 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 but wait. We have to remember what's been done for us. We have to remember what we deserve, what we were, but what's been given to us instead. And then in the next part, we really get to the word I want to I celebrate for the rest of the message. It is by grace you have been saved. And so this word grace means unmerited favor. And this is where we really zoom in on what we're talking about here today. So we were sinners. We deserve God's wrath. But he's given us what? His grace. That's what we've been given instead of what we deserve. This incredible grace. And remember, it's not because we were so great. It's not because we won God over. It's not because those little few good qualities deep down inside finally reached out and got us over the bad qualities. No, it's all because of the grace of God. It's all because of his unmerited favor. And then verse 6 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now this is spiritually, okay? God spiritually raised up our dead spiritual hearts and placed us with Christ in the heavenly realms. And when we die physically one day or Jesus comes back, whichever happens first, we will physically be seated with Christ. And this should be blowing our minds. Do you know why? Because we don't belong there. We don't belong there. Do you remember what we deserve? Wrath of God. But now I get to sit with Christ. I get to have this close relationship with Jesus. That's what's been done for me. I don't belong there. When I was younger, I was friends, I've told some of you guys this before, with Liberty DeVito, who was the drummer for Billy Joel for like 30 years. And um, he went to the same church I went to, so I got to take lessons from him, and I got to, he would give me gear once in a while. It was very, very cool. And so this one day, I went to see Billy Joel at Nassau Coliseum, and I'm sitting in my seat, and an usher came up to me and said, Liberty sent me to get you, come with me. And so I follow this usher, and he takes me down through all these tunnels and into like sort of underneath the stage. And I see Liberty standing there, and he says, come with me, come with me. And so we go over, and he takes me underneath the stage. And all the instruments were lowered down underneath the platform, and they were going to be raised up, you know, when the show started, which I think we should start doing around here. It'd be pretty cool. Andrew just appears, you know. We've been bringing people from the ceiling down for a few years now. Why not, right? So 
We're sitting there. He, he, goes, he goes, I want you to go sit at the drum set. So I'm sitting on the drum set underneath the stage at Nassau Coliseum. And I accidentally hit the lever, and I start, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, I made that part up. <laughs> so I'm sitting down there, 15,000 people in their seats on Liberty DeVito's drum set. Billy Joel's like waiting for the word, like go get in your spot to get on stage. And I'm seated where I don't belong. And that's like nothing compared to the fact that you and I will be seated with Jesus in heaven where we do not belong. That's this amazing grace that we've been given. We're sinners. We deserve God's wrath, but he's given us his grace. And he goes on. Well, why did Jesus do all this? Well, let's see. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Jesus. So the reason God has done all of this is to show us the incomparable riches of his grace. And it says, in the ages to come. So in other words, for the rest of eternity, God's just going to be keep showing us these new incredible treasures of who he is and what he's done for us. I don't know if you've ever been over somebody's house and everything's going pretty well. And then they're like, oh, you want to see some pictures? Right? Now, t- today's world, people take out their phone, they show us pictures, Right? But back in the day, you'd have to go down to a basement into a box and take all these photo albums out, right? I remember this one time, Kelly and I were at this family's house at a different church, and they invited us over for dinner. Everything was going good, and they're like, want to see some pictures? And we're like, oh, we're in trouble, right? So they went, they bring the albums out, and they start going through the albums, and we're there for hours. They're going through the albums. And, you know, you start to literally get to the point where you're sitting at the table looking at the fork, and you're thinking, if I gouge both my eyes out, I won't have to look at any more of these stupid pictures, right? This is Jenny, and Jenny on the first day of school is Mrs. Applebaum, her teacher. She was also Johnny's teacher. You'll see that in the next album, you know, it's like fork in eye, right? Well, for all eternity, okay, God is going to do that with you, but it won't be boring and horrific. He's going to be showing you, this is a little bit more about my love for you. And this is, this is what it costs to put my son on the cross, And this is what I was thinking when I made that planet. And this is what I want you to see about, man, all the stuff I saved you from, you didn't even know I saved you from. And for all eternity, God's going to be showing us his incomparable great riches. That's why he did this. Because of his love. Because of his grace. and Because of his mercy for you and for me. Verse 8, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. So this is a good verse. Okay? Because it shows us we've been saved by grace, so God brought our spiritual dead hearts to life, but it also shows us we're not robots because it does say that we have to have faith, right? So if you're here today, you're not a follower of Jesus, then you are saved by grace. In other words, you can't rescue yourself, you can't bring your own spiritual dead heart back to life. But when God does that, now we say, okay, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to believe in you, I'm going to put my faith in you to save me, to rescue me, to lead me through life and into eternity. And so I like this verse so much because not only do we see the grace, but we also see that we do exercise faith. But then check this out. And this not from yourselves. In other words, the faith isn't from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Okay? So the grace and the faith are both gifts of God that God gives you and I. Not by works so that no one can boast. So we're saved 100% because of a gift of God. No one can boast. So if you're here today saying, I think I was a pretty good person. I don't know that God really had to do much for me. No, we all needed everything from Jesus. We had nothing 
He did not look at us and say, well, let me just tweak that or tweak that. No, everything was his grace and his mercy. And so your salvation and my salvation is not based on good works. And I need you to hear me say that loud and clear. Because if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room today, if it's not based on good works, then my salvation can't be taken away or you can't be kept from salvation, I should say, because of bad works. Right? So if you're not a follower of Jesus here today and saying, Doug, I'm not Elf, I'm not Gollum, I'm like the worst person you can imagine, that's all of us. We're all the worst person we can imagine apart from God, dead in our sin and our trespasses. So my good works don't save me and my bad works don't keep me from salvation, right? Now, when I become a Christian, I should become more and more like Christ and that's a whole other message, right? And I'm going to change over time. But your bad works, those things you lay awake at night and think, this is why God would never want me, they do not keep you from a relationship with Jesus because your salvation is not based on works. Then, goes on in verse 10. is the last verse we're going to look at here this morning. And it says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So now we get to the good works, okay? This is how this works. God created us to do good works. Now some of us trip over that and we say, but Doug, you just spent the whole message talking about how it's grace. Well, here's the thing. We don't do the good works to get saved. We do the good works when we are saved, Right? We say, okay, now I'm saved, and Jesus has changed my life. So I want to love my wife well. I want to love my kids well. I want to be honest. I want to be pure. I want to be kind. I want to be selfless, right? All those things now, oh, God, help me. And God helps, and helps us and empowers us, right, to be those things and to do those things. And we change and we grow. And we don't get it perfect. We fall down. There's grace. Thank God. Then we get back up and we keep going. We become more like Jesus each day, right? So God has done all of this by his grace. He's created us to do these good works by his grace. We can only do the good works by his grace. We can only do the good works because we've been saved by the grace. It all fits together so incredibly beautifully and so incredibly powerful. And so what I hope you're seeing here today is who we were, sinners, what we deserve, wrath, and what God has given us instead of what we deserve, which is grace. And it all fits together just like this. Ready? We were sinners who deserve God's wrath, but he's given us his grace. That's what this all looks like. That's who you and I were. That's what God has done. And I think this whole deeper understanding that Paul helps us get is so important. And I want you to remember who is saying this. Paul, do you know who Paul was before he was Paul? He was a super religious cocky person. That's who Paul was. He thought, man, he was it. He thought his own works were it. He thought he could earn his own way to God and outperform anybody. Literally, you see him talk about, hey, I I had this down, I had that going for me, I was, you know, religiously this, I was religiously that. No one, no one was as religious as Paul was, according to his own words. And then one day he encounters Jesus and says, wow, I need grace. I can't save myself. I can't rescue myself. I was a sinner. I deserve God's wrath, but he's given me his grace. And I think when we begin to understand all this, it draws out of us those things I brought up earlier. Suddenly a humility comes out of me, right? A humility comes out of you. Instead of thinking, you know, God saw this great thing in me and he had to have me and this and that because he saw I was so great. No, now it's suddenly, me? What? Why? Why? And a humility comes out of us now in the way that we interact with God and others. I think an appreciation for what Jesus has done, a love for what he's done. Because remember, right? Jesus, who deserved all these things on the good list, experienced all these things on the bad list, so you and I, could experience everything on the good list. What an incredible God we have. 
What an amazing God who's done such wonderful things. I think it causes us to drop our attitudes with God. Guys, I get an attitude with God sometimes. But this enables us to drop our attitudes with God because suddenly we remember that we only deserve this, but we've been given that. Right? And I need you to hear me on this. If you are asking God why about something in your life, that's okay. I think I said it earlier. Job did that. Jeremiah did that. David did that. It's okay to ask God why. It's okay to say, God, why do I have these financial troubles right now? God, why am I still sick? God, why is this relationship still struggling so much? That's okay. But here's what I need you to walk away with. Okay? I need you to realize that all of those why questions, while they're okay, they have to fade into the background behind another more important question, why? And if you can keep this more important question, why, front and center, then all those little whys in the background will lose their power to come between you and God. See, the question that you have to ask way more than all the other why questions is, God, why would you save me when I was a sinner who deserved wrath, but you've given me this grace? Why would you do that? See, I can look at my situations and say, God, why aren't the finances coming in like they should? But wait a minute, why would you save me? What? Okay, God, why is my wife still going through so much physically? Okay, but I got to remember, God, why would you save me? Why would I be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms? Are you kidding me? So it's okay to ask why about all the other things, but when I keep that front and center, it's going to keep the attitude with God far away. It's going to keep my arm stiff-arming him. Nah, it's not going to be there. Because although I can ask my whys, I'm going to be way more, you know, blown away by the big why question. Why me? Why would he save and rescue me? I think as we understand God's grace, man, it impacts our worship. I was really encouraged to stand in the back of the room today and just see you guys there in that first set of worship. Man, just really worshiping God. And that comes out of appreciation and a love and a humility for what he's done for us and the grace he's given to us. Sharing our faith is going to be exciting. Because we're going, man, you won't believe this. I was a sinner who deserved God's wrath, but I've been given his grace and his love and his mercy. Man, you got to hear about this, God. Now, some of you guys might be saying, Doug, this was kind of like an intense message, man. The whole first half of that message, I wasn't feeling too good. Why, why do you have me thinking about the mess that I was? Why do you have me thinking about the sin in my life and how dark things were for me before Jesus? Well, maybe this will kind of make sense to you. I, w- I played soccer in college my freshman year and we were in Ohio on a tournament and we were driving down this road in the middle of nowhere and it was pitch black outside at night and we got out and we looked up and you know what? I realized something that day there are more than three stars in the sky like where we live because of the brightness of New York and the city and Long Island like you just can't see that many and we were up there and I've never in my life seen so many stars as that night and that really dark black pitch black night I just remember being floored because these stars were shining through so clearly. And here's what I hope you have seen today. You and I, man, our lives were dark without Jesus. And I hope if you, as you and I have looked at the darkness, that his grace is shining through that much more brightly today for you. That what he's done is that much more clear as you and I think about the dark place we are we're in without him. So if you're a follower of Jesus... What needs to happen now as a result of you hearing and being maybe reminded about this grace today? Humility, greater appreciation and love for Jesus, dropping the attitude, more worship drawn out of you, a, a heart to share your faith with those who need it. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I hope you are 
man, seeing the amazing God that we serve and, and the one who loves us so much that Jesus would die in our place and rescue us and make us his own, which we don't deserve. And that's available to you today. If you want to put your trust in him, if you felt God at work in your heart as you've been here, then I hope today you'll respond to him. And in a minute, I'm just going to give you some words if you want them, a few words to pray to God. If you want to pray him back to God and begin a conversation with him, that'd be awesome. But I hope today you're encouraged. I hope today you're seeing the amazing grace of God because, man, you and I are sinners who deserve God's wrath, but we've been given his grace. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we get to experience what we do not deserve. And we thank you that you experience what you did not deserve so that we could experience what we do not deserve. And God, we, we just come humbly to you and we want to know you better. We want to know you more. We want to have hearts of humility. We want to appreciate and love you, Jesus. We want to see those attitudes melt away. We want to worship you. We want to share our faith. God, all these different amazing outcomes when we zero in on this grace. And so help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray about maybe whatever you feel God doing in your heart as a result of seeing his grace in a fresh way today? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, maybe you could just pray something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. God, I just put my trust in you today. I put my faith in you. God, I thank you for bringing my, my spiritually dead heart back to life. And I pray today, God, you'll draw me close to you and that you'll give me the ability to live my life for you, that you would empower me to do those good works, that I'd stop trying to do them on my own, but that you would empower me to live for you. So I turn from my sin today, I look to you, and I thank you for this amazing salvation. In your name.